You're listening to Along the Narrow Way, a podcast that walks you through books of the Bible verse by verse to help you dig into God's Word so you can walk along the narrow way with Christ more faithfully. Hosted by Pastor Will Russell and co-hosted by Jimmy Miller. Join them as they help us understand the Bible so we can walk more faithfully as disciples of Jesus. All right, I think we're probably up and running, about ready to start. We're going to be uh, Second Peter tonight. We started that last week. We started uh, a study here in the book of Second Peter following First Peter. Uh, we got through the introduction last week. We're going to pick up at verse 5 here in just a moment. So, um, but anyway, uh, Jimmy, would you open us up with a word of prayer tonight and we'll get going? Surely will. Uh, Father, we thank you for this time to be with you and your word. And you've, you, you bless us every week with this opportunity, Lord. And Father, I just pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that we'll rightly divide your word of truth and, uh, and apply ourselves to your word. Father, we just pray for all the ministries going on tonight, Lord, that seeds will be planted in the hearts of those who need to follow you and grow deeper in their walk with you. And I pray that'll happen here. Lord, we give you the glory. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Second Peter chapter 1, picking up here with verse 5. <clears throat> Let me just read this next little section and then we'll go back and we'll start uh, just kind of digesting it a little bit. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplanted, or excuse me, supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, let me just stop right there and let's start kind of pulling this apart. Verse 5 um, is, is not a standalone verse. This section isn't just standalone. It's like everything we study, it, it belongs in context. Verse 5 here, but also for this very reason, points us back to what Peter has previously said. So that takes us back to what we discussed last week, this idea that um, along with salvation, God has given us everything that's needed for life and godliness, and it comes through His divine power, that we have a new nature imparted to us, that we've been given and promised these exceedingly great promises of God. It all comes from this knowledge of Jesus. And we talked last week how that knowledge, that word there really means a, um, an intimate understanding and interaction, not just a I know the stuff type situation. So based off this idea that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness because God has given us great and exceeding promises because of these things. He says, for this very reason, giving all diligence add to your faith. So Peter says, okay, because God has done this, because he's not only imparted salvation, but has already 
supplied you with everything you need for life and godliness because he has already granted you access to great and precious promises because he already has implanted this new nature within you because of these things. Now what you should do is give all diligence to add to your faith. So building off his introduction, Peter provides a um, call for the diligent growth, a committed and dedicated effort to grow faith, to live in Christ's likeness, to build upon what God has established in our lives. And we read here in verse 5 and the verses that follow a uh, kind of a prescription for how to add to our faith, how to live in godliness. That's like a spiritual workout. It is. It is. And that's a good way to look at it. We're called to be strengthened and grow stronger in faith. And this is kind of the workout plan, if you want to look at it that way, that Peter prescribes. Follow this regiment yeah. to become spiritually stronger. And so he gives a list here. Start here and begin your spiritual workout building up through the process. And I, and I think that because you find so many people dedicated to this kind of, to working out just in mm -hmm. general, mm -hmm. you know, working on the physical. And that's a good thing. I mean, mm -hmm. there ain't nothing wrong with that. But right. I think get too much into it and we forget to work, on, work out the spiritual. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it goes hand in hand. Oh, absolutely. You know, and everything absolutely. like that. Either way, I just wanted to throw that. Well, it's, it's important to be physically healthy, and we should maintain physical health. It's wrong not to. Um, but at the same time, we are spiritual beings with a spiritual nature yes. yeah. that must be fed and, and exercised and maintained in a healthy way as well. So um, they go together. They really go together. So let's look here tonight. Let's, let's look here at this, at this spiritual workout plan, this prescription for adding to faith growing and becoming stronger, advancing in godliness. He says there in verse 5, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me just stop for a minute. Giving all diligence. To this point, through the first four verses, it's all been God has supplied, God has given, God's power. Here it shifts. Giving all diligence is the emphasis placed upon the believer. You be diligent. You be committed. You put forth the effort to make this happen. Yeah. So now the focus is kind of flip-flopped. First four verses, it's all God has done this. God has provided it. God has already implanted it. Now Peter says, because God has done that, now you demonstrate your own diligence, your committedness, your dedication to add to your faith. And he begins, add to your faith virtue. Add to your faith virtue. Now, that, that word virtue there, um, in, the, in the best explanation that I can come up with, is simply moral excellence. And that ties back to 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 2, where he begins to discuss how to live a life in the midst of persecution, and he calls the readers to maintain a moral excellence. And in the rest of the book of 1 Peter, he discusses how do you live in moral excellence. Well, that's the same connotation here. He's picking back up with that idea. You've, you've come to a saving faith. You have been given this faith. And now to build upon it, you start by living a moral excellence in your life. You live out the virtues that are witnessed in Christ. You use your daily life 
to maintain a moral excellence wherever you go and whatever you do among whoever you're around. You, you have this just a, a dedication to maintain a high moral standard, no matter what that involves or where you, you're at. So the first, the first step in this workout regimen is to focus on a moral excellence. Mm. I have a saving faith. Okay, good. Now take that and build a moral excellence from that. Live in moral excellence daily, living out the character of Christ. So he says, add to your faith virtue. Then he says, to virtue, knowledge. To your virtue, add knowledge. This word knowledge here refers to just the divine truth. It's a call to grow in divine truth. You've, had the, you've come to a saving faith. You begin to walk in a moral excellence. And to move from that now, you must go deeper into the knowledge of the truth. You must grow in the divine truth. So this is a call to know the truth of God, but not just know it, but to apply it. So I'm trying to live in moral excellence, but in that process now, I have to go deeper in the truth of God's word, gleaning the knowledge so that I can apply the knowledge. It's knowledge with the wisdom. It's it's the knowledge that I, I learn and now I use it in my life. So... We see this process of saving faith, focusing on a moral excellence, dedicating to going deep into God's word, gaining divine truth, and applying divine truth. He continues, to knowledge add self-control. To knowledge add self-control. This is simply that self-discipline that you read about Paul speaking of. Mm -hmm. Paul speaks of a self-discipline to the point of beating your body into submission. That's the connotation here. That pummel. Mm-hmm. You, so you pummel myself. That's right. That's right. It's, it's being self-disciplined enough to take the knowledge of this divine truth and make your life conform to it. Would you say that's growing spiritually mature? Oh, getting yeah. Getting off the milk and getting on that's the meat right. to be, I guess, self-controlled. That's right. That's right. You know, it's, it's, being will, it's willing to be limited in expressions of the flesh and, and the natural person to be willingly and, and purposefully limit that so that the truth of God, the character of Christ, can fully be lived out and experienced. Amen. You know, it's, it's the same connotation... Um, this, this self-control phrase here is the exact connotation that's applied to, to athletes who will discipline themselves to a, to a workout regimen, to a dietary regimen, to limit their, themselves, uh, to sacrifice certain uh, things uh, they would like to do, uh, getting involved in certain things that would detract from their training. It's this idea of... of the athlete who is totally dedicated on the purpose of winning the prize. And so they're fully dedicated to training and eating and uh, limiting distractions so that they can be totally dedicated. That's really the connotation of this phrase self-control, is to have that kind of self-discipline. It's the self-discipline that, that drives you to not allow distractions, but to allow you to focus on this divine truth 
you've come to a saving faith, you're living in moral excellence, you're going deeper in divine truth, and then you develop this self-discipline that says, I won't let anything distract me from that truth. I won't let anything limit my opportunity to pursue that which I'm called to do. I will run the race to win. And so that's the connotation here when Peter says, be self-controlled. It's, it's, uh, it's not so much the self-control of, um, you know, I have self-control not to take that money, it's not mine, as much as it is a total life discipline. Yeah. A total life discipline. And he continues on. He, he says, uh, to self-control, add perseverance. To self-control, add perseverance. This is in verse 6. To self-control, add perseverance. Now, here we run into just a, a, a tad difficulty in the translation. And I didn't look this up. I usually do in a couple of different versions. And I didn't do that today. Um, Jimmy, does your Bible in verse 6 say perseverance there? And steadfastness. Steadfastness. Okay, yeah. good. Steadfastness. The original Greek phrase there is one of those... Uh, Greek phrases that does not translate well straight into English. There's not one single English word that, oh, that's what that means. And so you end up with various interpretations like perseverance or steadfastness. I looked up the meaning, um, and uh, here where the word perseverance is used, the steadfastness is used, in the Greek, the, the form of the, of the phrase has multiple meanings. It could mean showing patience and enduring while you do right. It could mean to resist temptation. It could mean to endure in the midst of trials. It could mean to remain strong in the face of difficulty. So I really, I really think that's probably all mixed together in one big mixing bowl, what Peter intends here. When I come to a saving faith that I build upon with moral excellence, that I build upon with this in-depth pursuit of divine truth that I apply to my life, that leads to a self-discipline of life, what that brings to me is this ability to patiently endure while I seek to live godly, even in the face of temptation or trials. I'm strong even in the face of difficulty. I'm persevering. I'm steadfast. I'm not movable in this pursuit. I will persevere. I will persevere. There's a, there's a fella, he's not a theologian. In fact, he's just a, he's a retired carpenter that has a fishing channel that I watch. <laughs> but his phrase that he uses is, I will endeavor to persevere. <laughs> I will endeavor to persevere. That's what Peter's saying here. When it comes to living out faith with moral excellence, building upon the divine truth you've gained, having a self-discipline in your life, that brings you to the point where you endeavor to persevere. It doesn't matter what life brings upon you. We practice perseverance. We live in godliness. We're faithful in living in Christ, for Christ. Regardless of what life brings at us or does to us, no matter what we face, we're going to be steadfast, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's how Peter phrased it. Excuse me, Paul phrased it. And so basically, we're unmovable, steadfast, persevering, because we're self-disciplined, based on the divine truth we're living in, 
that comes from the moral excellence we've established in the saving faith we started with. So we're progressing. Amen. We're progressing. And I think, by the way, perseverance is possible for the believer because we persevere while trusting in these exceedingly great and precious promises that Peter mentions earlier there in verse 4. I can endure hardship in my pursuit of Christ's likeness because I can continue to look at, look forward to, trust in these exceedingly great and precious promises of God. So I'm not just enduring in the moment, but I'm enduring with a hopeful expectation of what God is doing and what God will do. But he continues. He continues here. He says, um, let's see, to perseverance, godliness. To perseverance, add godliness. Godly living. We talk about that a lot. Live in a godly fashion. Live in Christ's likeness. In the most literal sense, this phrase here means to live in a reverence for God. Mm -hmm. To live in reverence, to live so that life shows reverence, to demonstrate the deepest level of respect and esteem for God. It's, it's moving our actions and our attitudes and our words to the point where all that we say or think or do is focused on honoring God. It's an entirety of life consumed with bringing honor and glory to God. Amen. That's what that phrase really means. So I'm going to persevere, I'm going to be steadfast in my pursuit of Christ and living for Him, but I'm going to mold that to channel every avenue of my life for the purpose of bringing honor to God. So that means the decisions I make within my home, the decisions I make with my kids or with my finances, the decisions I make on the job or with my neighbor, the decisions I make in any form or fashion, all are made with the first and foremost thought, how can I honor God in this? Mm. The things I say, those words move through a filter of what will be honoring to God. The thoughts I dwell upon, I take captive unto Christ so that the thoughts I dwell upon are thoughts that will bring honor unto God. That's the idea here, to have a totality of existence that is consumed with bringing honor to God. So we start with a saving faith that we will build upon with this pursuit of moral excellence living out the character of Christ that is advanced as we gain deep knowledge of divine truth and apply it. Then we move on and we seek um, self-control, a self-discipline that comes from that knowledge, that we live out in that knowledge. And with that self-discipline, we have this perseverance, this endurance, this steadfastness that leads us to a godliness, a life of reverence where we have a totality of existence to bring honor to God. He continues though. This begins verse 7. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To godliness, add brotherly kindness. And that just simply means a genuine concern for others. Have a genuine concern for other people. Now, this is a progression of spiritual growth. Yes. Okay, so I started with saving faith. It said to faith, I am adding, and I'm adding moral excellence. To moral excellence, I'm adding knowledge. I'm adding divine truth that I apply. To divine truth, I'm adding a self-discipline. To that self-discipline, I'm adding this life of reverence. 
And to this life of reverence, then, I demonstrate a genuine concern for others. Compassion. A compassion. Yeah. A compassion. So, a sign of progressing spiritually, of maturing spiritually, is having a genuine concern for others. But concern for others is something that someone who's a non-believer can have. An unbeliever can have an empathy for people. Mm-hmm. That, I feel bad that happened to you, a sadness for you. But this is on a different level. Yes. This is the kind of concern you read about when it says Jesus was moved with compassion. Yes. We're moved with compassion for people in that way. Yes. So it goes beyond just a, a normal, well, I feel bad for that person feeling. It's a genuine concern. Yes. A true concern that's linked to this next thing because it doesn't stop there. It says to brotherly kindness, love. You add love. So from this genuine concern, it culminates in a genuine love. And this is is the surest expression of faith when we can express love. Now, here it should be no surprise to any of us that this phrase here is referring to agape love, unconditional love sacrificial, serving love. It's the love that originates with God. It's found in God. It's imparted from God. This is not phileo or something like that. This is agape. So this is the kind of love that is impossible to demonstrate without a relationship with God because this is divine love that's imparted to us from God. So without a relationship with Christ, this part is totally impossible. Whereas a lost person can have an empathy and a concern for someone A lost person can't love, not the way this word love is used. This word love, agape, is a divine love. It's that sacrificial love willing to serve others with no conditions. It is the love that describes God. It's the love that says it originates in God. And it's the love that the Bible says God imparts to his children. And so we love one another with a divine love. We love others with a love that originates with God. This is the love that loves even when you're not loved back. This is the love that loves even your enemies. This is the love that loves demonstrating forgiveness. This is the love that loves without harboring bitterness. This is the love that loves even if I don't get anything out of it. It's the love that loves even if it costs me. It's agape. It's godly love, divine love. So spiritual growth is really ultimately capped off here when someone can love with the kind of love that Christ has. That's when you know you're, you're in a healthy place spiritually. Steadfast love. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what we see is Peter gives us this prescription for advancing in spiritual growth, growing in spiritual maturity, taking the faith and adding to it. Now, we're not adding to our salvation. No. We're not, we're not adding to our salvation. That's fully and freely settled by God. He's, he's purchased salvation. He's provided salvation. He has given it. He has sealed it. Salvation's done. This is us putting forth the effort to grow from that place of salvation in Christ's likeness, being conformed to his image, advancing in sanctification. It's a growing Christian. It is. It is. You know, I mean, it's, it's like a child, you know, that's why I, I kind of go back to the self-control. I ain't trying to go back too far, but no. self-control. You know, when you start out as a child, you're not self-controlled. Your parents mm-hmm. have got to put you under your control, but you're still, 
my child just because you're not out of, just because mm -hmm. i got to put you back in check every once in a yep. while doesn't mean i cast you away from him my That's child right. i think it's the same thing you know some christians that get out of step with god people think they've lost their salvation mm -hmm. well you mm -hmm. can't lose your salvation if you really really placed your faith in christ according to this passage right here mm -hmm. just you know because you all this has to grow after you come to know mm -hmm. jesus the self-control right. and everything i don't think you can get yourself under self-control until you put yourself under the blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then all this stuff, like you say, starts That's right. growing and the steadfast love and all that stuff. Yeah, That's right. There. So we, we, we have this process of things we should work through to become spiritually stronger. And we need to understand that there might be aspects of this we're very competent in. Oh, yeah. yeah. There might be other facets of these virtues listed maybe we're not so strong in. Yes. But that doesn't mean we don't work at them. In fact, we should work extra at those that we're weak at. But they're all important for the process of growing and advancing spiritually. I, I think, you know, when you're growing in sanctification, when, you're, when you start trying to identify these things in yourself, like, where am I lacking in God? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You, know, you know, not really saying, look what I'm doing for God. No, where have I lacked in God? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, you got me doing this, God, but where am I lacking? How can That's I right. go further with you? That's right. And stuff like when, that. When you're, when you're willing to ser sincerely say, God, search my heart. Because I know I'm lacking. If I want to really get being honest mm -hmm. with, you know, you got to be honest with yourself. I'm honest with myself for today. I know I lack with God. Mm -hmm. And that, that burns me up. And I think that's a, you know, I ain't tooting my own horn, but I think that's a work of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. inside. And that proves, I mean, that's kind of weird that it proves that you're a child of God when you have to fight and contend with these that's, things that's and grow right. in these that's things. That's right. Well, and Peter's going to even uh, kind of hint around at that here in a little bit, that these things will help give you an evidence and a confidence yeah. that you are a child of God. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's look at what he says here. Um, verse 8. For if these things are yours and abound, you'll be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's an interesting statement. And Peter is simply saying here, when these prescribed virtues of a genuine and growing faith when they are pursued in our lives, when we are dedicated to them, when we are committed to doing these things, we are useful and fruitful citizens of Christ's kingdom. Amen. We're, it, it, to, he says we will neither be barren nor unfruitful. That is idle. That is uh, just uh, sitting there useless unfruitful, unproductive. He says, no, that's not who you are. When you pursue these things, what you find is you are a productive, useful, fruitful mm -hmm. member of God's family. That's right. And a lot of times it's not profound things that have happened. <laughs> You're just living life in pursuit of these things. Yes. And as you do, God is at work in you and through you to accomplish things for his kingdom. You're useful and fruitful in his kingdom. Amen. But look at what he says. Um, Verse 9, um, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. So to, to follow after these things, to be committed to these prescribed virtues of faith and to grow in them makes us useful and fruitful. It gives us confidence 
that my salvation is solid because I, I see and experience this process of growth. The Holy Spirit speaking to me about areas I'm weak in. I'm seeing how God is using me and, and accomplishing his work through me. Um, those who fail to pursue these virtues, who fail to apply these things, those who aren't growing spiritually, well, they're recognized because those are the ones you see who are idle. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they kind of exist in the state of idleness in God's kingdom. They're not fruitful for the kingdom in, as far as spiritual matters go. But there are those who are short-sighted and blind, he says. Now, I, I, I got ahead of myself again. He makes this phrase, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's worth mentioning that that draws attention to the reality that Peter is addressing those who have this knowledge. Yes. They have this knowledge. These are born-again believers. These are born-again. These are born-again believers. Those are the, he's speaking to people who have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, who either are useful and fruitful or who are idle and useless, but nonetheless are, are born-again believers. You know, it's, it's making your election sure, just like it says in it, you know, uh, it, you know, you can, you can get off track. And this happened to me that you can think that you've lost your salvation. Mm-hmm. You can think that, you know, you for, you can forget that you were cleansed from sin. You can get that dark mm-hmm. as a Christian, mm-hmm. especially if you start out young and you don't get rooted in to knowing how to grow in these, grow in virtue. Mm-hmm. Just say like well, that. I really think that's what that alludes yes, to there. Yes. I think these, these, uh, uh, verse, uh, verse nine. But I will say this. Uh, if you really come to know the Lord as your Savior, He's going to bring you back. Yeah. And you're going to yeah. start realizing these things. And mm-hmm. Well, I really think that's what He's referring to, Jimmy, when He speaks of here being short-sighted and blind. Yes. And, and that's, being, that's being short-sighted and blind to one's own spiritual health. Mm-hmm. Um, being stationary in the spiritual life. Um, well, that doesn't really exist. That's a misnomer. You're not stationary in your spiritual health. No. You either grow and advance or you slide backwards in your spiritual health. You can't just be stationary no. when it comes to spiritual health. You're either growing and progressing or you're backsliding and slipping. You know, uh, the spiritual life, the spiritual person within us will atrophy if we just sit. It will. Atrophy yes. will set, set in on our spiritual well-being. Sure and as atrophy sets in on us, as we fail to grow, as we fail to pursue these virtues of, of the faith, we can forget that we've been cleansed. That's what he says, right? We've, they forget they've been cleansed from old sins, purified from old sins, forgiven, redeemed, whatever phrase you want to use there. I think this phrase really is a reference to you get to this point where you start to have doubts about salvation. Yeah. You lack confidence in salvation because you don't sit idle spiritually. If you're not progressing, you're going backwards. And you can get to the point you described, Jimmy, yeah. where, where you have doubts. Yes. You begin to wonder, am I really saved? I mean, well, that's what sin does. It just robs you of your peace and joy and mm-hmm. just replaces it with doubt and uncertainty. That's right. That's right. So you, you have these entanglements of all the old sin, and you've been forgiven and you've been redeemed, but now you're you feel condemned under things and you bear guilt that's not yours to bear and you just have questions and concerns. You have the kind of this shroud of darkness, this fog around you. Why? Because Peter says you have failed. He who lacks these things, you have failed to progress 
in these things to make yourself spiritually stronger, to grow spiritually. Now, I think some people may have doubts sometimes because they're legitimate. So I don't want to call someone to say, well, I'm having these doubts and I'm not saved. Must be I'm just not growing and I'm not doing enough. No, it could be you're not saved. It could be. So yeah. you, that's the point where you need to invest some serious prayer and ask God to examine your heart and help you to see clearly. Were you generally saved at some point and have slidden backwards to this place that's brought you to doubt? Or were you never genuinely saved? And then find you a, a good Bible preaching pastor yeah. and ask him some questions. That's what I'm saying. Find someone to talk to. Find, find, or me or anybody. Uh, hey, we're here. Someone you know is competent in God's word and, and ask yes. them to visit with you. Verse 10. Let's, let's keep going here. This verse, we need to finish this section anyway. Verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we abound in Christ-like virtues, being fruitful, there's positive outcomes. Now, the flip side of that is you atrophy. Um, you become spiritually useful or useless, excuse me, um, but rather than that, we're going to take that off the table. We're not going to even talk about the spiritual atrophy because that's not where we're at. That's not who we are. Verse 10 says, therefore, be even more diligent. Okay, because of these Christ-like virtues you can pursue and grow in, be fruitful in, well, be even more diligent. Be even more eager to be dedicated to proving your salvation and the joy of the blessings of the new life you've been called into. That's why he says, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. That's not working for salvation there. It's showing your salvation is genuine because you're pursuing these yes. Christ-like virtues and you're living in them. You're fruitful because of them. Yes. Amen. And when we do that, we have a confidence. We have a confidence that we are God's elect. We are children of God, redeemed by faith in Christ. Amen. We're one of His. Amen. We abide in the confidence of God because we have placed ourselves in a spiritually healthy position before God to experience the confidence that He wants us to have, to live in the joy of our salvation. It takes a while to work through sin sometimes. Oh, yeah. Know? I mean, oh, yeah. If, it, if it didn't take a while to work through sin, the, the flood would have been enough. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't. That's we had, right. to, had to have Jesus come on down. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> That's right. You know? Well, these virtues we've read, these things that Peter's listed, um, the, the, the ultimate, I guess, fruit of these things for us in our lives, beyond growing spiritually strong and mature, is providing tangible evidence that we are indeed saved, that we are children of God, and there's an assurance there. We can have an assurance of our salvation because of the spiritual growth we experience, the fruitfulness and usefulness in the kingdom we have, the confidence that God bestows upon us because of this process of sanctification He takes us through. And so there's benefits of being useful, being fruitful. There's benefits of growing stronger spiritually and having spiritual maturity. But probably one of the best benefits is just this tangible evidence that, yes, I am assured I'm a child of God. Yeah. 
I'm a child of God. I mean, I mean that's, that's, that's good to live this side of heaven. That's thinking right. That, you know? That's right. That's you right. Know, you don't want to go through worried about, oh, what's the Lord going to say to me when I get to the gates? You know, mm -hmm. well, he's, you know, <laughs> that's right. you better deal with it now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Look at what he says. Uh, this is verse 10. Um, he says, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. If you do these things, that means to practice these things. If you practice these things, these pursuits of Christ-like virtue, if you practice them, if you do them daily, if you make them part of your normal conduct, if they become habitual parts of who you are as you naturally come to pursue these things, there are some things that happen, he says. First of all, he says, you never stumble. You never stumble. And then he says, and also an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. So when I actively seek to apply and grow in these virtues, it keeps me from stumbling. That's a reference, I think, to stumbling into sin. Uh -huh. Stumbling into difficulties of doubt. It's um, kind of a sure-footedness of life that I have. Not to stumble into contrary or conflicting false doctrines. Oh, yeah. It's just being stable. It's having a stability of life. It doesn't mean I don't face temptation. It doesn't mean I don't face difficulties. It just means I have a stability, a sure-footedness in light of temptation comes or difficulty comes. And specifically here, in, in the regard to stumbling and dealing with difficulties of doubt of salvation, when he says, you will never stumble, that's, that's what that phrase is, because once again, he's just pointed out the, the proof we have of the call we've had to God's family, the assurance we have. And when we live out these things daily, it gives us this assurance that keeps us from stumbling into doubt. Oh. Amen. And because of this, that's this final statement he makes, because of this, we have an assurance that we've received eternal life, that our place in the everlasting kingdom is secure. And so we have a confidence in this life, a steadfastness, and a living hope to look forward to. Amen. And that's a good place to stop. Mine says richly provided for. Richly provided. Now, what does that mean, richly, richly provided, provided for? I got an idea. Well, lay it on me. I think, it, I think it'll be like, just like you say, you know, if you practice these qualities, you'll never fall into the doubt and stuff. That means when you come before Jesus, he's not going to call you out on any of the things that you've ever done that, that grieved him or anything like that. It's just going to be, come on in, that good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. He's going to stand for you just like he stood for Stephen. And mm -hmm. stuff like that. Now that's pretty richly provided for. That's richly provided for. Well, yeah. the scriptures talk about the provision that God has given us spiritually comes from the depths of His riches. Yes. They're the abundance of His riches. You cannot exhaust the riches. No. You cannot exhaust the riches. And for anybody out there was trying thinking I was going to give them like some kind of description of well, I, like, I can't fathom the riches of God. So I couldn't give you a description even I could. <laughs> That's so I, right. Not this side of heaven. That's right. Because you can't fathom 
the stuff he's richly provided for you in glory. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. For That's those right. who practice those qualities. That's right. That's Amen. right. Well, all right. That's a good place to end the study this week. I want to thank everyone who tunes in faithfully, follows along the studies, and uh, um, keep, keep logging in, keep sharing the podcast with everybody. We appreciate that. Yes. And uh, we're going to pick back up next week. Um, still in chapter one of Second Peter. I won't promise we'll finish the chapter, but we'll see where we go. We right. may, we may not, but we will study the word undoubtedly. We can make a chapter last a year if we want it to. Well, there's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot there. Yeah. So we're going to sign off from everyone out there and have prayer with our church family here. Thank you all for being with us this evening. You have been listening to Along the Narrow Way, hosted by Pastor Will Russell and co-hosted by Jimmy Miller. If you haven't done so, subscribe to the podcast so you can get updates on new episodes. Thank you for listening, and remember to stay faithful to walk along the narrow way with Jesus.